I went to a conference and when I was at this conference at the end, they said, you know, if you have one word to describe, you know, each person uh, in your group, what word would you give them? And I had several people write on a little piece of paper, vibrant. And I was like, oh my God, that is, that is the name. So I think at first, if you start a business, you're not sure what to name it. These are very big decisions. So I had to scratch the website that I had paid for, start all over. And um, I think you just have to fail forward. I think that's, that's probably the biggest challenge is failing forward in the beginning. Hello and welcome again to another episode of One Starfish, where our mission is to change the world one starfish or one purpose at a time. As always, make sure to rate, review, subscribe, share all the things. Love the reviews, love the shares, love the feedback. Really excited for our guest today. I just met Nicole Greer. She's in North Carolina um, and she has energy. So I'm excited for today's podcast. She started her company on building a vibrant culture in 2007 um, and has been doing some incredible things in all different areas. We just briefly touched on before. Married 32 years, has a couple kids, you know, has a beautiful dog, all the things. I love it. So welcome. Welcome to the podcast, Nicole. Yeah, thank you for having me, Angela. I'm delighted to be here. Awesome. Well, let's get into a few things, I guess. I'm like, where do I want to start? But let's get into, you know, what what had you decide to start your own business in 2007? Yeah. So, I, you know, I just always was in somebody else's business for many, many years. And I think I just got to the point where I was old enough. I had enough experience that I thought, you know, I think I could do my own thing. And I actually uh, read a book called The Path. I shared that with you earlier. And when I read that book, it made me figure out, you know, uh, even though I was in my 30s, who I wanted to be when I grew up. And so I figured out what I wanted to be and I found this thing called coaching. And back in 2007, coaching was still relatively young, somewhat unknown in business circles. Now it's a whole thing. Um, but uh, I, I started doing coaching. And so it wasn't, you know, I could work right from the house. And back in the day, we did it over the telephone because there was no Zooming going on yet. And, <laughs> um, and you know, I would go to people's places of work. And so I didn't need brick and mortar and that kind of thing. I just needed to go out there and hustle and do customer service. And so um, I've always been a customer service gal. My first uh, thing I ever did in my life was the restaurant business. I think everybody should have to work in the restaurant business. <laughs> it's really good training. And, uh, and then I got into property management where people not only did, uh, you know, they lived with me and they slept in the rooms next door to me in the apartment building. So uh, I've been taking care of people for a very long time. And so I just see business as a way to take care of people. That's awesome. I love it. So what were some of the challenges you occurred when you started your business and how did you overcome them? Yeah, I think the the biggest challenges I had was not really with marketing or getting business because I'm a natural kind of salesperson. I don't have a problem meeting strangers and telling them what I do. Um, but I think the biggest problem was was like marketing, you know, through like, you know, my website and that kind of thing, putting together a website of my own for the first time. And remember, this is in 2007. This is before like Wix and all these things were... <laughs> Was done. It was really easy. It was back when uh, WordPress was very complicated and looked like, you know, long algebra if you opened up the website. So, uh, you know, kind of figuring out what money to spend, what to do and kind of what to name my company. And at first I named my company this horrible name, Angela. It was so 
uh, convoluted. I lived on the Yadkin River. And so I called it Riverside Learning Solutions. And everybody thought that I did tutoring. It was terrible. And so I went to a, uh, a conference. And when I was at this conference, at the end, they said, you know, if you have one word to describe, you know, each person uh, in your group, what would you, what, what word would you give them? And I had several people write on a little piece of paper, vibrant, and I was like, oh, my God, that is that is the name. So I think at first, if you start a business, you're not sure what to name it. These are very big decisions. So I had to scratch the website that I had paid for, start all over. And um, I think you just have to fail forward. I think that's that's probably the biggest challenge is failing forward in the beginning. How did you go through some of those failing forward? Like, did you have a really strong support system? Um, did you have a lot of personal development? What were some things that you know we do have to fail forward but like how can you make it easier to fail I guess and get back up yeah well one thing you have to do is you have to have a husband like mine that says we're gonna have a budget for this whole thing so you know you have to make careful decisions (laughs) even if you make a mistake you're gonna make mistakes but um you know I had to earn enough money to do the second website right because you know, we used Nicole and David Greer's money to build the first one, right? So he <laughs> and I were willing to invest in my future. Uh, but the second go around, I had to earn the dollars to redo it. So you've got to, you know, be careful with your finances during the process. Don't you get yourself in trouble? Um, and then in terms of like, how do you personally deal with it? Um, I'm a very spirited gal and a spiritual gal. And so I think everything happens for a reason, You know, it's like I I was supposed to learn those lessons. I was supposed to go through the process. And so because I believe that it makes me resilient. And I think a lot of people, um, you can build your resiliency. You know, I'm kind of uh, there's this old Disney movie uh, called Pollyanna. Mm, It's way in the way, way back. Um, but it's about this young gal and the book was originally written in 1913. This is how old this book is. Um, but in that book, it's a story of this little girl who just sees the positive in everything. And, and she learns this, um, from a mentor in her life. And, and I think you can do that. It's a choice. Mm, that's good. Well, tell me a little bit about what you do. So, I mean, everyone I think that has a business wants a vibrant culture. I think that sounds amazing. How do you build that? Like, what are some tips that someone can do to, you know, build that um, kind of culture in their organization? Yeah, I love your question. Thank you for asking me that. So the first thing is the leader, the top, the top person in the organization has to make culture a strategic priority mm-hmm. and it has to have ownership with the top leader. So a lot of times, you know, I'll go places and they're like, uh, we have a culture initiative. And, you know, if the top leader is not helping to form, shape, message, and communicate that, it's very hard for whatever team is trying to put that culture initiative into place. In fact, I've watched people uh, delegate culture to a department, which is perfectly fine. Totally do that. Put some people in charge of it. But the leader has to check in make sure they agree, and then be a champion for the culture change. Because right. people want to know, is this coming from the top? And if it's not, and in fact, if the if the leader doesn't agree with the team puts together, we're in a big pickle because we're not on the same page. So I think culture needs to be um, you know, championed from the top. Uh, and it has to be very, very intentional. There needs to be a strategic plan. Like, What do you want it to be like? in this place, 
right? So if you think about culture, I I had the privilege. I have I've traveled more in the last ten years of my life than I did in the in the first you know forty eight years of my life. And uh, one of the things that's so amazing about traveling somewhere is that like the food is different and the people are different and the way that they talk to each other is different and the things they value are different and it's really beautiful to be in that unique place and i believe with all my heart that employees are looking for a unique place to be where they feel like there's a good fit um so we need to develop a culture um that matches um, what what people are looking for. And so I think they're looking for opportunities to develop and grow. So in your culture strategy, you need to have a, a leadership development and a people development plan. You've got to have a communication plan and you've got to have a strategic plan and vision that is easily transferable. And that if I ask the CEO what it was and I ask somebody on the very front line of the business what it was, they would be telling me the same thing. Mm -hmm. So I teach leaders to get lit. Okay. So I say get lit. People are like, what? And so what I mean is on the inside, um, they get a little passion going on. So that the lit is an actual acronym and it stands for lead with clarity. That's why you got to have the strategic plan. Uh, the, the I is for integrity. Um, you've got to have that leadership development, that people development. And the main emphasis needs to be on character building, which you know, people are like, we have to work on the quality of people's character. Shouldn't we just hire good people? Well, yes, but even good people have little areas they need to work on. And then we mm -hmm. need to transform what we're doing today into something even better for tomorrow. So there's constant mm -hmm. change and we're transforming the ordinary. Um, you've got to be a change management organization. So lead with clarity, work on integrity, character traits, and then be change management driven. Those are the three things that I think make a vibrant culture. Uh, so good. What are some what are some potholes that you think that companies do that really can screw up a culture? I mean, beyond, I guess, obviously, the leader is not being involved. That sounds like a big one. Um, yes. Tell, you, can, you can elaborate on that or anything else that you just see as one of the biggest, the biggest potholes on this. Yeah. Well, I think the, the biggest pothole is that, again, we're not all on the same page. We're not all singing from the same, um, you know, music. And what happens is, is that inside of an organization, if there isn't a strong message from the top and there isn't clarity all the way to the front line, like I've said, what happens is little climates start to take on their own culture within the organization. So I want everybody who's listening to kind of think of one big circle on a piece of paper, and that's quote unquote, the culture. And then inside that one circle are all these other little circles. So it might like look a little bit like a Petri dish if you were to draw this out on a piece of paper. And those little circles are usually departments or teams. So there might be the marketing department, the finance department, the accounting department, the operations, you know, whatever it is. And if the leader at the top doesn't designate how we want the culture to be. Now, I'm not saying that that person should just be a maverick and decide all by themselves and mandate how it should be. I mean, they should be involved and they should have a team that's working with him or her to get it all figured out and to navigate the way. But if, if that's not happening, then the leaders within those departments or those teams have no choice but to develop their own culture. 
And so, for example, you know, uh, I used to be uh, in property management. And when I was in the property management game, the home office was downtown on Tryon Street here in Charlotte, North Carolina. And I was up the road, either in Raleigh or down the road in Tampa, Florida. And it was very much like I was running my own little, you know, cosmic place, you know, like this is my little team right here. Now, uh, they did not leave me alone when I worked for Summit Properties. It was probably the best company I ever worked for in my career. They sent messages. They declared, this is how we behave. They sent process procedure. We had wonderful employee handbooks. We had wonderful training. And it said, this is how we behave. So even though I was running a property in Tampa and somebody might be running a property in Delaware, if you walked in either one of these properties, it would seem like the same place, right? Now, if that's not going on, I'm going to run my thing in Tampa the way I want to run it. And then the, the guy or gal up in Delaware is going to run the thing in Delaware the way he wants to run it. And then you don't have a consistent experience for the customer or for the internal customer, your employee. And that could be very confusing. So, for example, in that company, if you got and I got transferred all the time, they moved me around to solve problems and do things. And so, um, you know, I'd go to Raleigh. The regional director I had in Raleigh believed, behaved and enforced the same things the regional director in Florida did. It wasn't different. And so that's probably the biggest pothole is these little um, cultures popping up. I call them climates. There's little climates within the culture. Oh, keeping it keeping it unified and stuff like that. Um, that's awesome. How do you get rid of something or someone that maybe is a bad apple in the culture? Because I think that's really impactful in a culture to have. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Nailed it. Okay. So Angela brings up a wonderful question. All right. So the, the one thing I want to say about human beings is at, in my heart of hearts, I am a people person. You know how people say, I'm a people person, but that is Nicole Greer up one side and down the other. I think people are the answer to everything. In fact, wherever you work, if all the people got, you know, uh, put on a spaceship by a bunch of aliens today, nothing would get done at your workplace. It, it takes humans. It takes human resources. Right. So I just want to say that up front. However, you're right. There are some people that have the bad character traits that I was talking about. So I, I was talking about lit. So lead with clarity. Where are we going? What's our culture? How do we roll? What are our rules? What are our guidelines? What's the procedures manual say? All that stuff. It has to be very, very clear. And it can be positive and excellent and awesome and something you want to be part of. But then there's this thing of integrity. And the quality of my behaviors is what I say is the experience of you. And so like when I coach somebody, this is one of the first questions I ask them, Angela, I say, what is it like to experience you? And people are like, huh, I've never thought about that before. And I'm like, well, it's high time you did because, um, <laughs> you know, that bad apple that you you said a minute ago, I love you know love that old fashioned phrase. I mean, like if you take a bite out of it, it tastes terrible. It's mealy. It's brown on the inside. Oh. It's got a worm running through it. It's awful, and that puts a bad taste in my mouth, literally and figuratively. And one person can make me not want to work at this place. Mm -hmm. So, the truth of the matter is, you have to lead them, manage them coach them and mentor them. So when we do leadership development at Build a Vibrant Culture, we teach people there's four hats that you have to have on if you are responsible for direct reports. You got to coach them, 
mentor them, lead them, and manage them. And we tease all that out so that you can see what that means. But the most important thing we need to do is coach them in or coach them out. All right. So if somebody's a bad apple, I am going to sit down with them regularly and I'm going to talk to them about their behavior, what it is like to experience them. Now, again, my heart is for people to have an epiphany. <gasps> oh, you're right. I should not do that. I should not be so blunt. I should not interrupt everybody in the meetings. I should not what I complain all the time behind everybody's back when I was asked what my opinion was, whatever the stuff is. So I got to coach people around that. So I have to be brave enough as a leader to go in and help people and um, do a better job of presenting themselves. Now, here's one of two things happen when you coach people is you either coach them in and they have the epiphany and they change. And I believe people can change. All the years I've been coaching, people change. They really mm -hmm. do. I promise. Okay. But they if you can't see what you're doing, you can't change it. So you need a brave leader to help you. Now, some people get irritated and they think to themselves, and this is a lack of integrity. They think to themselves, well, this is the way I am. So deal with it. And I call that the uh, poor character trait of arrogance. Mm -hmm. Right. And I don't want you to be arrogant. I want you to just dial it back to self-assured. You know, mm -hmm. I think there's, Confident. there's, yeah, I want you to have confidence, but I don't want you to be like a jerk. All right. So I need you to just dial back that confidence hair, be open to feedback, let people finish their sentence, don't interrupt, you know. And, mm -hmm. and you know, oftentimes when I give this feedback or mentor or, or coach around these things, people are there at first they might be stunned and like it's pricked them a little bit. They're a little irritated, but later on they're like, Oh my gosh, I'm so glad Nicole Greer told me that. It's, right. it it me. Yeah. So what, how do you coach someone out if they aren't willing to change? Well, I, it just happens. You know, like if you, if, if, if I have a, a person that I'm working with and they display um, a behavior an attitude, they, don't get their work done. They're an interrupter, blunt person, whatever the stuff is. I bring them in. I sit them down. Hey, we're going to talk about, you know, what happened in the meeting. Now I'm going to give them a piece of feedback. And I use a little formula called a C3. Everybody might want to write this down. Uh, the first C is circumstances. So whenever you give feedback to somebody, you're going to tell them exactly what you saw happen as close to perfect as you can. Okay. In your humanity, like play a little movie for them, you know, like your face did this and you said this and so-and-so was in the room when it was about, you know, midday, whatever the details are so that you're not just saying something like, you know, you're rude. Like that's terrible feedback. Okay. But good feedback would be in the meeting today, you interrupted Angela three times and you actually shushed Bob. You told him shush. You can't communicate like that. Okay. Um, so I right there, I've said in the meeting today, halfway through, Passable. these two people impacted. You were shushing and you were interrupting. And then you have to tell people the consequences of what they're doing. So circumstances, conduct, shushing them and interrupting. And then the, the third C is this thing of consequences. And the consequences of that are that you shut down two of our team members. They just crossed their arms and said, I'm not dealing with this today. 
And so we didn't get anything done. Your behavior turned into nothing getting done. Do you see that connection? Mm-hmm. And you know what? Either they're going to go, oh, my God, you're right, and have some kind of humility, okay. which is a wonderful character trait. Or they're going to be like, well, I didn't want to hear what they had to say anyways. Arrogance. You right. do that enough times, you pull them in and you give them corrective feedback, they're going to get their resume together. So that will coach them out. Or you have to write them up and go through the whole HR thing and get them out. Right. Either way, you have to get the bad apple out. And, so and I could share why if you want me to. <laughs> wow, it spreads. <laughs> That's right. It becomes cancer. Absolutely. Yeah, just like the apple, like you're saying, if it's mushy, man, the whole thing goes mushy. It doesn't get better. It gets mushy. <laughs> so That's exactly right. Yeah. Wow, it's so good. I love it. Um, I know we could go forever, but um, you know, if people want it, they can reach out. So I always wrap up with three final questions. And then anything that we didn't touch on that you think you know is really impactful for our listeners that you want to share. By the way, guys, we will have all of Nicole's information in the show notes. So do reach out to her if you want to learn more about building a vibrant culture for you and your business. Um, you know, this would be a great one to chat with for sure. So yeah. um, first first and final question, um, if someone's looking for their purpose, what's one sentence you would say that could help them find it? Read the path by Lori Beth Jones. Makes me want to read it. Okay, I like it. The path by Mary Beth Jones. Guys, get the book, read the book. Uh, yeah. Number two, what's a favorite quote and why? Yeah, uh, be the change you want to see in the world mm, would be the quote I that, that I would do. Uh, that comes from Gandhi. You know, everybody wants to sit around and complain. Um, but what you go first, you start changing it and then get rally the troops. That's so good. And third and final question is what's one word or sentence you want on your gravestone? Yeah, um, she was vibrant. I was going to say that. I was like, I know I, that would be perfect. That's so awesome. I love it, Nicole. All right. So you're running to someone in the coffee shop and they're like, that's so good. We're going to have to build this, you know, vibrant culture. And we've got the four hats of leadership and, and coaching and, and mentorship and how to work with someone and how to coach someone and all of, all of the stuff you just went through, which is awesome. What's something we didn't touch on that you just think is really important for our listeners to hear? Yeah, I think the last thing I would share is that when you think about yourself, you think about your leader, you think about your coworkers, you think about your kiddos, um, people have six energies. And we shared that, you know, like one of the trademark things of my personality is I have a lot of energy. Well, I've looked at that very, very closely and studied it. And, and really, people need help stoking their energy. And so there are six energies. The first one is intellectual what do people need to know? Help people learn, help people see, give people a nugget of knowledge. Second one is emotional energy. How can you make this person feel better? If you feel better, you do better. The third one is that you have spiritual energy. Like, do you have good beliefs? Do you believe things are possible? Or do you think believe that, you know, like my daddy used to say all the time, the world's going to hell in a handbasket. I don't know what <laughs> that was all about, but it's like, I, I don't believe that that. I think things are getting better, actually. Okay. Um, there's physical energy. You know, can you feed somebody? Can you provide them nourishment? Can you, you know, let them leave their desk and go for a walk? Then there's social energy. Can you be a friend? to this person? Can you love on this person? And then the final thing is financial energy. Uh, remember I said, you got to have your budget in order. Um, a lot of people I know have their finances upside down. And so if we can help our employees um, learn how to budget, learn how to take advantage of their 401k, learn to take a care, advantage of their health savings plan. So many people I meet have these wonderful benefits and don't even know 
how to use them. So uh, six energies that um, we can help people with. And if you get people energized, um, they're, they're much better to be around. If you've been around a tired child, not fun. Uh, so, you know, if you can get people energized, um, they'll be vibrant and they'll help you build that vibrant culture. That's so good. I love it. Guys, make sure to share this. Make sure to rate, review, subscribe. You know, reach out to Nicole. Like I said, she's she's amazing, very approachable. So be happy to hear from you guys. I know yeah. that. Um, let's go out there, guys. Let's change the world one starfish or one person at a time. If we can change one life at a time together, we can change the world. Thanks so much for being on. Thank you.